Arab Radio Network is proud to offer the Ray Hanania Show with veteran journalist Ray Hanania, the U.S. correspondent for the Arab News newspaper. U.S. Arab Radio broadcast content Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, WDMV 700 in Washington, D.C., and simulcast through stations around the country. Programs will rerun from 5 till 6 p.m. Visit us on Facebook at U.S. Arab Radio. And we're also streaming live on Facebook.com forward slash Arab News. And good morning, everybody. This is Ray Hanania and the Ray Hanania Radio Show. It's Wednesday, July 7, 2021 at 8 a.m. Eastern Time. And uh, just, oh, good. There's that echo is gone, I think. All right. Yeah. All right, Mike. Thanks, buddy. Um, we're going to uh, be doing a show in a few minutes here. Let me just uh, get everything set up. Um, hang on one second. There we go. Um, this morning, we're going to look at the terrible tragedy of the massive flooding that hit homes on September, June 20, uh, Saturday, June 26th, in the Dearborn region, damaging and destroying thousands of homes on the east side of Dearborn and the region. We have activist Ahmad Hamad, who is the executive director of the American Human Rights Council, whose home was completely destroyed. He's going to share his story. And we've invited the Dearborn City Council President, uh, Susan DeBaha, to join us. Uh, President DeBaha held a community forum last night to help homeowners in the city of Dearborn, where the population is more than 40% Arab-American. The flooding issue has become a major political issue in the upcoming battle for mayor in Dearborn to succeed Dearborn Mayor John B. O'Reilly, who announced he's retiring. That primary election is August 3rd, and already some eight candidates have announced their intentions to run to succeed O'Reilly, many of them Arab-Americans. We'll look at that election battle also next week in a bigger detail on July 14th here on the radio show. Um, later, uh, at the bottom of the hour in segment two, we're going to discuss the UAE agreement with Israel. We have former U.S. ambassador to the United Arab Emirates, John Recolta Jr., with us. He served as the U.S. ambassador from 2019 until the end of 2020 and was the, at the forefront of the negotiations. So we'll do that right at the bottom of the hour. And uh, But right now, we're going to take a quick break here at the Ray Hanania Show at Brought to you by Arab News at ArabNews.com on the U.S. Arab Radio Network. And when we come back, we'll talk to Imad Hamad. I'm Ray Anania. We'll be right back right after these messages. ArabNews.com, bringing you breaking news from across the Middle East and the latest on Arabs in America. Get inside the latest headlines with expert analysis and insights at ArabNews.com. Join over 5 million Facebook fans and over 10 million monthly readers. ArabNews.com, news that matters to you. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, 
keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. اللجنة الأمريكية العربية والإسلامية للعمل السياسي أمباك تدعوكم للمشاركة في الانتخابات التمهيدية في 3 أغسطس في ولاية ميشيغان انتخبوا المرشحين الذين تدعمهم أمباك في انتخابات مدينة ديربون سوزان دباجة لعمدة مدينة ديربون ومرشحي المجلس البلدي لمدينة ديربون كمال القادري سعيد العواضي خضر فرحات مايك سرعيني لسام لقمان ليزلي هربك وخليل عثمان للاطلاع على بقية المرشحين المدعومين من أمباك تفضلوا بزيارة أمباك صوتوا بنعم للمقترح الأول والذي يقضي بعادة النظر في دستور المدينة صوتوا بالبريدة وشخصيا في مقر البلدية من الآن وحتى موعد يوم الانتخابات في 3 أغسطس انتخب وشجع أصدقائك على الانتخاب صوتنا قوتنا مستقبلنا ويصنع الفارق هذا الإعلان مدفوع من قبل اللجنة الأمريكية العربية والإسلامية للعمل السياسي أمباك Ziad brand. Quality products from our family to yours. Ziad Brothers Importing offers the finest quality products, including brands like Sultan, Kraft, Nestle, Hook, Rico Picon, Donna, and many more. Ask your retailer to carry these fine products because you deserve the very best. For more information, visit our website at www.ziad.com. That's www.ziad.com. Ziad. Quality products from our family to yours. The U.S. Arab Radio Network is proud to offer the Ray Hanania Show with veteran journalist Ray Hanania, the U.S. correspondent for the Arab News newspaper. U.S. Arab Radio broadcast content Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, WDMV 700 in Washington, D.C., and simulcast through stations around the country. Programs will rerun from 5 till 6 p.m. Visit us on Facebook at U.S. Arab Radio. And we're also streaming live on facebook.com forward slash Arab News. And it's great to remind everybody that we're uh, going to rebroadcast this program as we always do every week at 5 p.m. in Detroit on WNZK AM 690. If uh, uh, you miss it or you can't stay for the whole program, we got uh, Imad Hamad, who is the uh, executive director of the American Human Rights Council that works with uh, prisoners, the AHRC, helping them address their needs. Uh, am I correct, Imad? Correct? Yes, good morning, Ray, to you and good. to all of your listeners, and I appreciate the opportunity always to be with a great journalist like you. Well, I always appreciate the accolades because uh, no no one likes journalists, Imad, believe me, I, I, especially if you write an opinion column. I learned that a long time ago at City Hall in Chicago. Uh, I attack, I've been attacked by every mayor in Chicago at one time or another, and I go, why do they not like me? I don't get it. I don't know. But uh, listen, we're, it's kind of a tragic story because uh, I think it was June 26th, that Saturday, there was this huge rainfall, almost eight inches of rain. Uh, and uh, you're, how, you're one of the thousands of people in Dearborn uh, whose homes were so seriously damaged, 
all your possessions were destroyed. And, you know, and, and again, obviously, the, the focus is kind of on you and what because you're an example of what people have to go through there. But it has become a big political issue in the uh, August 3rd primary election in Dearborn uh, among a wide range of candidates who are trying to succeed uh, Mayor John B. O'Reilly, who announced he's retiring. And uh, I can't see how anything else is going to be discussed in this coming election. That flood is a major problem. Tell us what happened to you, Ahmed. Well, first, we have to keep in mind that this is the second uh, flood that uh, the city of Dearborn uh, do face. Uh, it happened before in 2014. It wasn't as massive. Uh, people thought that it's over. It will not, uh, there will be no repeat. Uh, to, to be surprised and shocked that it was a larger repeat, more massive, more destruction, uh, and more spread. Now, uh, the flood wasn't limited just to Dearborn, so listeners can understand the whole Wayne County was affected, uh, and many cities, including Detroit, Dearborn Heights, uh, were also impacted. However, why the anger level was more high and higher much any other city in Dearborn because it was the second hit. So it's like the city officials, city administrators, the city government didn't get it. Now we all, rec we all recognize that, you know, the climate change is, it, is, is a serious factor here. It's impacting uh, all the US, the whole world, and Michigan is one of those states. You're talking about a very old infrastructure. And this is, needs to be addressed seriously now before it's too late, now before people face more disaster uh, that maybe uh, may be, uh, be out of uh, control. Now, the, the destruction uh, that took place in Dearborn truly was appalling, truly um, amazing. Uh, there is no worse than can describe that catastrophe uh, where you only imagine these uh, scenes of flood houses and uh, garbage all over the city covered by garbage because people were scrambling just to yeah, be... I, uh, I, I, saw, I, I yeah. saw all the photos of uh, the damaged homes and I'll tell you what, in 1997, my home flooded here in, uh, I'm in the southwest suburbs of Chicago, where I'm broadcasting from, um, and uh, that totally destroyed my home. But the most upsetting thing for me wasn't just the rain and the fact that the sewers couldn't hold the rain. It, it rained for three days. Um, it was that my insurance company, State Farm, thought they were going to help me by saving me money. They canceled my flood insurance the year before. And, and, you know, this is an Arab American who was my uh, agent. And I said, what are you doing? And he goes, well, you were saving me money. I said, what, 20 bucks a year you're saving me? My home was destroyed. So I had to apply to FEMA. I had, and it took six months, you know, because I, I'm, after leaving journalism, I was an independent consultant. And I know what you're going through because the forms, the hassles with the insurance, um, the argument that, hey, this is, you know, an act of God, the rain. Um, but, you know, local government, they need to make sure those sewers can carry the water away from areas, you know, that are flooded like yours. Are you going through that process even yet, or has that not started? 
Well, no, I'm, uh, you know, many people are actually. Those who have uh, that additional item uh, protection, uh, they are covered to uh, a large uh, degree. Uh, but there are so many people who are not aware of that particular coverage. And as right. you said, uh, the agent choose not to add it to save them some little money without expecting that they will be dealing with a disaster. And some actually ask the agents to do it. In my case, I asked the agent to, uh, to do it later when this uh, disaster took place. When I called the agent, I found out that I didn't have it. And I was going crazy. Wow. Uh, now, uh, the the complication of the issue here uh, now uh, when I talk about this this is one of the uh, rare times that you are part of the majority uh, and, and the majority who are being impacted negatively with it so and many people were impacted the yes, thousands of homes I heard many people are helpless and, and Dearborn and just to, for our listeners and Matt I don't mean to cut you off um, you know Dearborn has one of the largest population of Arab Americans um, so I would think uh, Arab American organizations are reaching out to help uh, people there. The help is going to be very limited beyond the cleaning kits, beyond the, uh, volunteering to help people move, remove their uh, positions from uh, the houses, helping with basic things. There is nothing to be done beyond that. You're talking about the great financial loss. People need to have to do major repairs in the houses, uh, uh, replacements of appliances, electronics, etc. Keep in mind that people are used to utilize the basement of the house more than any other area in Dearborn in particular. That's why the forms that the government set and FEMA or the city or what have you, I myself go through it. I, I tend to believe that these forms are set to deny people, not to approve people for any harm. Uh, they, they are complicated to, to fill out, too technical, and uh, they strip you. Uh, uh, they, 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 they ask every detail, every dot in the book, that sometimes you wonder what uh, the relevancy of it to the application, to the disaster, to the destruction you have. So I have a key issue here, because many people in 2014 applied for FEMA, and very low percentage did uh, uh, get the help. So most of it, let's put it this way, let's face it, it's a total loss. I'm being scrambling for a week, just trying to uh, clean, just trying to repair what I can, and I'm hit hard. And I'm, when I say this, when I say I, I know I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of thousands. Yeah, and, I, and I know we got a lot of people that are obviously trying to call. We can't take everybody's call because this has become a big political issue, hasn't it, in this election coming up August 3rd? True. And I think this is where I think the key challenge here. Nobody, you know, we have to look at it as this. This is a collective responsibility. The local government, the county government, the state government must be held accountable. And that's why, you know, people and we did to ask for an independent, transparent uh, investigation, a thorough evaluation, what happened, why it did it, it did it happen again, etc., etc. So the investigation is one. Second, unfortunately, because we're going through a primary elections and it's a heated competition on the mayoral bid in particular, I think many people within these camps, political camps, use this to target a single uh, candidate uh, and trying to uh, put a blame on her 
because simply she was the president of the, uh, the city council. Uh, yeah, that would be Suzanne DeBaja, who I, I think is a pretty good leader. She was president of the Dearborn City Council, and she's one of the many candidates. Let, let's take one of the callers. I think it's uh, Kamal Al-Qadri, who is on the line, Mike, if uh, our producer in uh, the Detroit studio. If you want to put uh, Kamal on, I think he's running for uh, mayor also, right, Kamal? The city council of Dearborn. Uh, right. And you call it mayor, or do you call it uh, president of the city council? Mayor. Mayor. Okay, good. Uh, Kamal, are you on the line? Yes, good morning, good morning. Hey, thank you for calling in, Kamal. Uh, what, first of all, were you impacted by the flooding? Yes, I was, like many others in the city. Um, my Thanks. basement was impacted. Um, but this isn't the first time. This is the, actually the third time that my basement has been uh, impacted by uh, major flooding like this. Um, and, and, and this is going to be a big issue, isn't it? I mean, as far that's what people want to talk about in this election now, right? Yeah, that's that's a that's a big issue right now. That's a hot topic that everyone wants to hit upon, and you know, very very right. So they they have every right to be, and because you know, our our the city has has failed, and um, you know, everyone's you know, again, you're talking insurance, and you know, yes, the citizens because forty one two six is one of the highest insured, uh, you know, in the state, you know, if not in the country, and every little bit that they can save. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna save an insurance agency. Yes, will 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 take off coverage, you know, to try to keep that customer because that's what we, this, that's what the citizens have to do. That's what we're dealing with. I mean, some some of us are paying three, four hundred dollars a month for car insurance. Um, you know, when you can go to a different zip code, you know, which is like a block away, wow. and save and save two hundred two hundred dollars a month just by changing that. So that, that's amazing. And uh, this is a good example. And it's a tragic example. It's always tragedies like these that drive home big issues. But this is a good example of how uh, do we not sometimes focus on the Middle East so much that we don't seem to focus on the issues right around us? You know, the, this issue of flooding happened in 2014. What, why wasn't something done more? Was it because you know, we drift from local issues and for a few minutes, and then we go back to the Middle East. You know, as Arab Americans, we're very emotional. We're very tied to the Middle East. We want to see everything happen there, uh, but maybe we don't pay as much attention. Dearborn is an exception, though, in the sense that you have so many Arabs there. They're all involved in uh, government at many levels. Ahmed, is, uh, is that, do we not pay attention to the things around us sometimes? No, indeed. I think there is a, a drastic shift and uh, the involvement of the Arab American community uh, speaks for itself. As you noted, uh, it's no longer like uh, primarily focus uh, or only focus on Middle East affairs. Keep in mind that the Middle East affairs impact us as a community simply because most of us have relatives, have families. We have deep roots to uh, the, 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 the Middle East. So we cannot help it. It's part of us. It's part of our identity. It's part of our culture. But uh, on the contrary, I think uh, the, the community in, in Dearborn in particular, in Michigan at large, I think it's moving forward. And, and Kamal, as a candidate uh, for the city council and the others who are running, it shows clearly that uh, 
Arab Americans are getting there, are involved. Look at the mayoral bid in Dearborn. There are six candidates, three Arab Americans, three non-Arab Americans. So it's historical. Uh, I think people are paying attention to the uh, local affairs and they are taking even the primary election in more serious format. That's why when the, this crisis happened, the flood crisis happened, unfortunately, there are some bad apples there, vicious people there. They try to make it too political and use it as a platform to single out a certain candidate and target that uh, that single candidate and, and put them through political engine. That's totally unfair. I think yeah. people want answers. People deserve answers. And this is a collective responsibility. This is a total failure for the city government, for the county government, for the state government. We should, uh, as much as we focus on the city of Dearborn, responsibility, that doesn't waive the responsibility of the Wayne County and the state of Michigan. Let me ask uh, Kamal, uh, who called in, and we appreciate you calling in. And uh, we've reached out to others that are running, uh, even Suzanne DeBaha. I know she held a forum last night, I believe, and I'm not sure if she can make it this morning to call in. But Kamal, I mean, let me play devil's advocate. And again, not uh, to offset the tragedy here, but this is an act of God in a sense. This is like uh, heavy rains. You know, the mayor can't control the rains, um, but the mayor does have some controls on how the rains are handled. What If you or others were elected uh, as mayor of Dearborn, what can you really do? What could you do? Well, um, it, it's, it is an act of God. However, I mean, we need to plan, plan for these things. I mean, your health is, 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 you know, has to do with your, you know, but you still go to the doctor and you do regular checkups and you take care of, you know, your, your health. And, and that's the same thing the city should be doing. I mean, the city spent millions on, on a sewer project. In 2014, I had four inches of, of water and uh, of sewage into my, in my basement. You know, the city came along and they did this, this, this combined sewer overflow project. After that, I received two feet of water, of sewage into my basement. The streets flooded up to my, up to my porch. You know, cars were, cars were damaged that were just parked on their street. I mean, these are things that the, the city should be, you know, taking care of. 2014, there should have been a private, uh, you know, independent investigation and figure out what exactly happened before they spent these millions of dollars. You know, I, I, I'm responsible for a multi-million dollar budget. And if I do any capital improvements, you know, I'm not just going to, you know, oh, let me just do this, let me do that. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get a third party. I'm going to get somebody to, to say, okay, this is what you should do. This is what we recommend. This will get you by, and this will make you, you know, not have to worry about it. And, you know, in 2014, everyone was affected, you know. And then in 2000, you, you know, now we're talking about a flood that was worse but only half of the city got affected, and 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 you know that is, is that going to is that going to impact the election? You think on August third? Is this like the big will. issue? I, I think it definitely will. I mean, we're we're so close right now. We're you know we're a month away, and you know you know actually less than a month away. And you know there's a lot of residents that are really really you know angry and upset, and they have every right to be. You know, I've been into to, to you know basements you know, a week after, and they're still not cleaned out. And it's because, you know, people cannot clean this. You know, this is a community, this is a tight-knit community. So, you know, one person's taking care of three or four 
houses. You know, they're taking care of their parents, their grandparents, their aunts, their uncles, you know, and they have a house and a business of their own. So this is a very hot topic, and and people are very frustrated, especially after, you know, the 2014 flood, and then they spent millions of dollars on the sewage project, which now they're they're saying this isn't what it was meant for. This isn't isn't what we were meant for. This was for the government. This is the government's problem. This is the the, the, the federal government. They should have done a complete uh, study after 2014 so that people understand what happened, and, the, and they're going to have to do one now. Kamal, I, I just want to say thank you for calling. I know next week uh, here we're going to be talking about that election on August 3rd. Um, we have Dennis Denno, and we also have uh, Kyle uh, Meeland from Mirror's newsletter. They're going to join me, and then we're going to take calls from candidates, uh, yourself, and any of the candidates that want to call. Some candidates, they just don't want to call, no matter what you do. Um, but I know Suzanne uh, DeBaja wanted to call, but I know her schedule is kind of rough, but and we appreciate you calling too. It's great that you're able to monitor this stuff. Kamal uh, Kamal uh, uh, El Kadri is a candidate for mayor, correct? Um, Dearborn City Council, and I appreciate the the, the time. Oh, okay, not for mayor. You're just yeah. running for the city council seat. Correct. Yes. Got it. All right. Thank you, Kamal. I appreciate it. Thank you for calling in. Thank you very much. Thank you. Right. Have a nice Ahmed, we only have a few more minutes, maybe about four minutes. I mean, w- what do you expect is going to actually happen? I mean, in three weeks, nobody's going to be talking about anything except this flood. And it's going to take you forever, I know, and as terrible as this is, uh, to get the money and the support you need to get back on your feet. And you just represent thousands of other people out there in Dearborn who were impacted by this flood who are going to be in the same boat. And I, I know that there's an anger buildup that's going to be reflected in the politics. What are you, are, what are you looking for from these uh, leaders to do for you? Well, to step up to the challenge and uh, take the, what it needs to be done, which is uh, uh, running uh, a thorough and neutral independent evaluation and examination. We have to keep in mind, again, we're talking about a climate change. We are talking about the growth of populations and cities. We cannot take the existing system for granted that it is good for all times. We have to think ahead. And I think having two major hits are more than enough. I don't think people are ready for a third one. And the city uh, administrators, uh, municipalities, uh, on a county level and a state level must be held accountable, must provide answers. Keep in mind that the losses, uh, the material losses, uh, somehow, way, will be reimbursed, will be replaced, uh, regardless how people will manage to uh, refresh and move forward. But people, uh, many people lost very valuable family items, very valuable yeah. precious uh, items that cannot be uh, replaced. That, that it's gone and, and you cannot bring back family memories, albums, uh, uh, videos, etc. that was totally gone. So people being uh, 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 rightly so to be frustrated and to be anger. But we have to put now the anger aside and be r- r- rational, time to reflect so we can find together a solution. Definitely, uh, we as people uh, cannot afford but to hold the uh, local government, the county government, and the state government accountable 
And I hope that they deliver this time. I hope they don't put uh, the people through the loops of these technical forms uh, that is designed uh, so difficult, designed in a way just to deny people, not to approve people. So, uh, and, and, and I urge people who are running uh, different political campaigns not to use this as an opportunity uh, to single target one candidate. This needs, this is a collective responsibility. All are part of the problem and all so are part of the solution. It's not just criticizing the candidates, it's asking, what are you going to do? Who has the best idea? Who's a good? Personally, I think that uh, governments, uh, because flooding is a major problem all across the U.S., um, and and obviously we're talking about it because there's a major Arab American population in Dearborn, and I, I hope that the Arab American organizations step up to help their community. I mean, just the way every other community helps themselves. We need our community to do the same thing, to help our community. But governments need to look at flooding not as an individual basis, but they should have a system to help people that or that requires people to do certain things, almost like health insurance. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. There's going to be more flooding in the future. Um, we see that with the rising sea levels. I, I know that uh, you know you do so many good things with the American Human Rights Council uh, to help people in uh, Dearborn and help you know a lot of people. Well, what's your website, uh, Ahmad, if people want to get more information on the the uh, Human Rights Council, the American w Human w Rights Council? www.ahrcusa.org. Ahrcusa.org. All right. Ahmad, listen, uh, I'll tell you, my heart goes out to you because I know what it's like. I, it was the worst thing. You know, you think about what's the worst thing that can happen, but you're right. So many important things were destroyed in that flood that hit my house in 1997. And I'll tell you what, I got a lot of bleach from the elected officials, bottles and bottles of bleach. And I had to carry the old junk out and throw it out. Um, and all they could give me was a big garbage uh, canister to put the garbage in. And I thought, okay, I can throw it out, but I how am I going to rebuild? And it took me several years to rebuild my business at the time. Uh, this is happening to many people, unfortunately. It's so ironic that the Wayne County offered people some cleaning kit, and people were looking at it saying, what the hell am I going to do with right. it? With my French. I know. It doesn't... Uh, and it came amidst a very uh, high level of heat wave uh, that yeah. affected everyone. That it makes it worse. Are gone, and you had to suffer. Like it's not just one angle of suffering; it's just adding up. I think uh, uh, let's let's say it loud and clear that uh, the city government, uh, the county government, the state government, and in, in the state of Michigan. Uh, must do what is right and must lend the help to people and must not let it be complicated uh, on people to receive the help they need. Those who have right. insurance may be protected to a certain extent, but there are so many who don't and they deserve the help. So don't fool me by a kit of a cleaning here or a little package here. There is a total uh, destruction and people up till today, they're trying to keep up cleaning the mess. All right, Ahmed Hamad, listen, my, our heart goes out to you. I wish you the best, and I, I hope that the community supports you and the others that are out there 
um, whose homes are damaged by that flooding out there. And so we wish you the best. Ahmad Hamad, the uh, di- executive director of the American Human Rights Council, uh, joining us, uh, one of the victims of the big flood that hit Dearborn on June 26th, that Saturday, and got worse over the next few days afterwards. Ahmad, thank you for joining us this morning. And also shout out to uh, Kamal Kadri for calling in. He's a candidate for the city council in Dearborn. And next week, uh, as a reminder, we're going to bring on uh, some political consultants. We're going to talk about the impact of this issue on the Dearborn elections and uh, the organizational and activism of the Arab American community out there in Dearborn. Ahmad, you have a great day. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Take care. You're welcome, buddy. And uh, everybody, stay tuned. We've got a lot of people watching us on Facebook at the Arab News. It's always I'm honored that so many people tune into the radio station. Of course, they're listening in Detroit uh, by the number of phone calls and everything. And also in Washington, D.C., um, uh, listening on our uh, network there. I'm Ray Hanania. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to shift gears. We're going to talk about the UAE, the United Arab Emirates Agreement with Israel, with uh, someone who knows all about it from Detroit, um, the former U.S. US ambassador to the United Arab Emirates, John Recolta Jr. He's going to be with us. Uh, he serves as ambassador from 2019 until the end of 2020. Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll uh, have uh, former ambassador John Recolta on the line with us. We'll be right back right after these messages. ArabNews.com, bringing you breaking news from across the Middle East and the latest on Arabs in America. Get inside the latest headlines with expert analysis and insights at ArabNews.com. Join over 5 million Facebook fans and over 10 million monthly readers. ArabNews.com, news that matters to you. At Top Rehab Physical Therapy Clinic in Dearborn, we provide effective physical therapy sessions in order to limit pain and discomfort. Top Rehab provides physical therapy care for any diagnosis prescribed by a physician, and we regularly see and treat conditions such as stroke, TMJ, fibromyalgia, sciatica, joint pain, and more. We use a variety of pain management methods, including modalities, soft tissue mobilization, and therapeutic exercise. If you're in need of physical rehabilitation or physical Physical therapy, get the highest quality health care at Top Rehab. Most insurance is accepted and we're open Monday, Wednesday, and Friday 8 to 6, Tuesday and Thursday 8 to 5, and Saturday 10 till 2. Call for an appointment today at 313-846-0555. That's 313-846-0555. Choose Top Rehab Physical Therapy Clinic on Michigan Avenue in Dearborn. Life's too short to be in pain. New Dawn Academy provides your kids with a curriculum that's rich in science, technology, engineering, and math. We want students to really experience what problem solving looks like. What does it mean to build things together? And really working on those analytical skills is what makes New Dawn Academy's program very unique. This school will certainly provide them with academic excellence, but also state-of-the-art buildings and inviting to students. Are your hands feeling numb? Do you feel pain opening up a jar, turning a key? Are you noticing that your elbow and your shoulder are becoming stiff? Or were you recently injured in your arm? Hello, I'm Dr. Albajit Katranji, 
And at the Katranji Hand Center, which just recently opened down the street from the Somerset Mall, we can provide you with the latest in hand, wrist, elbow, and shoulder care. Visit us at www.katranjihandcenter.com to learn the latest techniques that we have to offer you, and I look forward to taking care of you. Visit us in Troy at 1565 West Big Beaver Road, Building F, or call Katranji Hand Center for an appointment at 248-869-4263. That's 248-869-4263. The U.S. Arab Radio Network is proud to offer the Ray Hanania Show with veteran journalist Ray Hanania, the U.S. correspondent for the Arab News newspaper. U.S. Arab Radio broadcast content Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, WDMV 700 in Washington, D.C., and simulcast through stations around the country. Programs will rerun from 5 till 6 p.m. Visit us on Facebook at U.S. Arab Radio. And we're also streaming live on Facebook.com forward slash Arab News. And welcome back to our radio show. I'm Ray Hanania here on uh, July 7th, uh, broadcasting in Detroit on WNZK AM 690 and Washington, D.C. on WDMV AM 700, as well as broadcasting on the U.S. Arab Radio Network at ArabRadio.us and, of course, on the Facebook page, of the Arab News newspaper at facebook.com slash Arab News. Uh, I'm, I'm very honored to be joined now by the former U.S. Ambassador to the United Arab Emirates, John Ricolta. John, is, uh, you're originally from, you are from Dearborn, uh, Detroit, correct? I am. Uh, I'm from not only uh, Detroit, but uh, my family did live in Dearborn for a while back in the 30s and 40s. Uh, my uh, one grandfather worked for Ford Motor Company and uh, uh, were Dearborn uh, residents <clears throat> until they moved to Highland Park. Wow. And tell this is your first time on the show. So first of all, welcome. And thank you for joining us on the radio. I appreciate it. Uh, there are not a lot of Arab American radio programs in the country. And um, it's just an honor to have uh, people who dedicate themselves to this country uh, to come and share their insight on major issues. Tell us a little bit of, give us a little bit about your background, just to introduce yourself to the audience that may or may not know who you are. Well, I was born here in Detroit. Uh, my grandparents immigrated from Romania. Uh, raised here, I uh, went to Brother Rice High School in Birmingham, Michigan, uh, continued on to Marquette University, the Harvard Business School. Uh, fortunate that my father owned uh, and uh, operated a, a medium-sized uh, construction company of which I uh, matriculated into and built my career uh, building auto plants uh, across the globe. Uh, I've always been involved in uh, civic affairs. I was the uh, chair of New Detroit, a race relations council here in the city of Detroit, and that's where I really cut my teeth on some of these more intransient issues uh, facing the world and, of course, our region. Um, as you know, um, uh, many Arabs live in the greater Detroit area, and I got to know and love uh, the variety and the diversity of all of the cultures. I love the food. Uh, met many great people, and uh, we all came together and worked in harmony on, on many issues that you would think uh, we wouldn't be able to. Uh, obviously, I'm a Republican uh, getting appointed by President Trump, but that didn't stop us in a predominantly Democratic uh, city. And I think Detroit, and through our efforts with public education, and uh, we did uh, quite a bit uh, to save the Detroit public school system, 
a really a great bipartisan effort. And it really pains me greatly that our country has uh, begun to uh, split apart over politics when we should be working overtime to uh, build better relations and more trust amongst uh, a diversity of opinion. And I've always felt that diversity was a real gift uh, that I was given uh, in order to uh, not only uh, you know achieve my goals in life, but uh, of course the happiness of my family and others around us. I know growing up, uh, most Arab Americans were actually very conservative. They're Republican. They have the same family values that are uh, pushed by, you know, uh, uh, touted by the Republican Party. And, you know, sometimes we get dragged into politics. But I think basically we're still a very conservative community. And you're right. Unfortunately, politics uh, gets too personal and it gets divided and stuff. Um, you were appointed as ambassador by President Trump, and uh, that's a huge thing to be appointed as an ambassador. What? What? I mean, it couldn't have just happened, right? You had to have some background in diplomacy and uh, diplomatic affairs, correct? Yeah, I uh, was uh, fortunate uh, being Romanian, uh, and after the fall of the wall in the uh, late 80s, uh, the Romanian president came to the United States and offered me a uh, honorary council job uh, representing Romania here in the greater Detroit area. And it's got a large Romanian diaspora. And so I served in that role for 20 years, which led me to do a lot of business in Romania. Uh, I had a company there, started a farm, uh, helped uh, Romania matriculate, uh, matriculate into the NATO and obviously the United, uh, uh, the European Union. So I had some, I, I wouldn't say that I was an experienced diplomat, but I did understand the necessity uh, to listen first, uh, to appreciate other cultures, and to find the beauty in all people. And uh, that was also uh, expanded with our company's expansion into Mexico and Brazil, uh, just to name a couple countries. So I've always been very, very interested in international affairs. Uh, my appointment came uh, quite by accident. Uh, I was asked to get involved in the uh, Trump uh, 2016 uh, presidential campaign, and uh, I didn't know him and asked to have a meeting which resulted in a meeting in Chicago in July of 2016, where we hotly debated uh, issues like where auto plants should be built and how would we rebuild uh, the middle class and blue collar jobs here in America. And obviously he liked what I had to say. Uh, and uh, after, uh, the, um, after the win, uh, they offered me the uh, ambassadorship to Romania. Uh, and I went down that pathway for about six months and one day the White House called me and said, hey, we've got a new assignment that we'd like you to seriously consider. Uh, we'd like you to become the first political appointed ambassador to the UAE. And uh, I don't think I had much choice in the matter, although I did think it was a, a very, very interesting opportunity in a very volatile region. Uh, and so uh, that's what happened. Uh, ultimately, I got confirmed and went out there with the full blessing of the president and the national security advisor. They did many things. Uh, to make my entrance uh, into the UAE well noticed. Uh, and so I went there with a specific job to rebuild the bilateral relationship between our two countries uh, in a very, very fast manner. Did you anticipate that it was going to lead to this uh, historic agreement that the UAE signed uh, with Israel uh, last year? I didn't on my first day on the job, but uh, as time had passed, uh, and I began to explore the universe of issues that uh, existed between the United States and the UAE. Uh, the White House offered me the opportunity to launch a strategic dialogue 
with the UAE, uh, we were able to solve the uh, big problem of us not participating in Expo 2020 Dubai. And all those things led to a very, very close relationship uh, with the Emiratis. They began to share some of their most uh, inner thoughts and how we might be able to progress. And then there were what I call these 14 factors that were all uh, playing out there at the same time that, uh, you know, tying these factors together uh, provided uh, the uh, UAE the uh, foundation and the base on which to take this huge leap uh, of courage and faith that it was time to normalize relations with, uh, with Israel. So uh, there are many, many factors that came together to do this. And, uh, you know, notwithstanding, I, I put them into really three big uh, categories. One, uh, I, I, you cannot underestimate the role that Jared Kushner played in uh, getting uh, everybody in line and then pushing the ball uh, over the goal line. Number two, uh, you know, there's a security and defense issue that currently remains in the Middle East. Uh, many, many countries are very, very concerned about uh, Iran's uh, revolutionary bent, uh, nuclear weapons, uh, ballistic missiles, and the exporting of terror. Uh, the economies of the world have changed quite dramatically. Uh, the UAE saw well before COVID the need to migrate from an oil-based economy to a knowledge-based economy. And uh, we could spend a whole session just talking about that. The speed of change in the world today is massive. Uh, you know, if you ever took a look at the knowledge curve, it used to take a couple thousand years for knowledge to double. And mankind today it takes about a year. And, and that change has caused countries uh, to really look at their economies and how do they stay competitive? How do they provide hope and peace and prosperity for their people? Uh, religion uh, happens to be an issue, too. And, uh, you know, the Abraham Accords, which I know we're going to get to talk about in a minute. Uh, you know, they're all three. Uh, Father is Abraham. Uh, all have share the, basically the same values. Uh, you know, why are we fighting and arguing so much when we're really so close to one another? Um, you know, uh, annexation is a big problem that uh, the UAE hoped to stop, uh, if not uh, temporarily, uh, uh, well, not permanently, at least temporarily, until we could get uh, more parties to the table. And then finally, you know, we have to sit down and negotiate. I mean, that's the bottom line on all of this. War is too expensive. It's too devastating. You know, obviously it harms and kills far too many people. And the only uh, alternative to war is uh, is through dialogue, uh, negotiations, and uh, obviously reaching a, a settlement. So uh, all these things came together. There are many, many more, but I know you have a lot of questions, so I'll stop there and that's, see where this that's takes okay. us. Uh, listen, the one good thing of uh, being a reporter is uh, talking to someone who understands the news system and isn't hesitant to help fill that gap of what the public wants to hear. I guess the first question I have is, uh, you know, having been involved with the UAE and having been a diplomat, I think that makes it such a different thing than being a political. You were a political appointee, but you have all the diplomatic bases behind you and you're familiar with the UAE and the Arab American community. When you got there, when they moved forward with their uh, agreement with Israel, did you see if there was some priority? Did they have like a I know you mentioned a number of things that they were looking at, but was there something really important to them that they felt they needed to do this? Or was it just the broad range as you outlined? No, I, I think that uh, expansion and, and continuing building of their economic uh, basis, their, their economy itself, jobs, good paying jobs, transitioning 
from oil-based to knowledge-based is a very, very complicated process that in most cases take years, if not decades to get done. Uh, there's, a, there's a need to get this done quickly. Uh, and as, uh, as I learned when I was there, there are really, I think, three, really real, three big factors that bind company, countries together for long periods of time. One is uh, common values, and we have that with the UAE and with Israel, all stemming from the Abrahamic religion a core. Uh, number two is common language. Uh, when you can speak English face-to-face uh, -face, uh, in a sophisticated, nuanced manner without having to go through translation, uh, it opens up all kind of, uh, all kind of opportunities. And then e economic integration uh, is extraordinarily important. Most countries protect their economic interest, and the more cross-investment, uh, trade, uh, you can have uh, the stronger you become as nations. And so I saw that immediately when I got there, that we had all three of these factors involved. And then when you add in the final thing, and that is is that most people here in Detroit know me as frank, uh, honest, uh, forthright, direct. Uh, sometimes people would call that blunt. Uh, if there's an elephant in the room, let's talk about it. Let's not avoid it. Uh, those are all attributes that most politically appointed uh uh, ambassadors have, and then this tolerance to take risk. Uh, you know, I'm a risk taker. Uh, I don't do it uh, recklessly, try to evaluate the uh, pros and the cons. But at the end of the day, uh, between all of those factors that I've just talked about, plus having direct access to the White House, and I think that uh, has to be underscored in a very large way. I had a personal relationship with the National Security Advisor. <clears throat> we worked on this together, hand in hand. Uh, they provided me uh, with tools and mechanisms that I don't think most ambassadors are, are afforded. Uh, and then I had a couple of meetings with the president and clearly understood what his objectives were in terms of the Middle East. And uh, he gave me the uh, power and the authority to go and to implement that. So you put all that together, uh, you're in a point in time where you can now approach, in this case, the Emiratis and have some really great dialogues you know, outside the normal diplomatic speak. Uh, you know, I often ask them in the beginning, uh, where did you want our relationship with the United States to go five years, 10 years, 20 years from now? Uh, and of course, they said, you are number one, number two, number three, number four ally. Uh, you are protector. Uh, we have an enormous trade deficit with you. Uh, in fact, the UAE has $24 billion trade surplus from our standpoint, third largest country in the world. So they really are our very, very good friends, have supported us in many, many endeavors around the world, in, in Afghanistan, in Syria, just to mention a couple. So the, the, the fruit was ripe for the picking. We just needed to position them. And this strategic dialogue that took place from January to June really showed the Emiratis how serious we were about uh, building this relationship and, and being trusted partners. Was there any critical moment that had to be overcome that made it easier for them? I mean, you know, when I look at it, obviously I'm Middle Eastern and Palestinian. And for Israel, I think this is a big and, you know, achievement for them. For the UAE, I always wondered what was the benefit for them, but was there something that made it, you know, that changed the momentum that opened the door for them to go into this as enthusiastically as they have? I, from my perspective, I, I'm not speaking for them, I'm speaking for me, I saw three things happen. Number one, COVID played a role in this. I mean, it devastated the economies around the world and countries were looking, how do I return to normalcy? 
and get my economies back going again, especially the UAE that depended so much on tourism and trade and airlines and, and these kind of things. And so that was that was number one. Number two, I think that the uh, annexation that the former uh, government in Israel was undertaking, making an announcement they were going to annex the entire West Bank, also was a great, great concern uh, to the UAE. Let me point out, there are about 350,000 Palestinians living in the UAE, and they are very, very concerned about the plight and the future of Palestine and Palestinians and wanted to do something that would at least arrest uh, that continued annexation. So that that was the second big thing. And then I think, you know, and they will never say this, but I think that Iran played a role in here. If you were to take a look at the devastation that's taking place in Iraq and in, uh, in uh, Syria, uh, in collapse of the economy in Lebanon today, uh, there's all influenced by Iran. And of course, you know, uh, the UAE is only 70 miles from Iran and uh, they're concerned about their own sovereignty and their their uh you know their security so when you put all of that together you know the time is right for them to reach out now one more thing and both uh, the uae and israel are, are almost mere images of each other they both are the largest economies uh in the region uh, they both have gdps that uh, exceed forty thousand dollars per person uh, per capita uh they have the, the best military and security apparatuses in the middle east and so it's only natural that they would see a lot of benefit in normalizing relationships with each other. And it, I think that proved out by just in December of 2020, there are over 70,000 uh, Israelis who visited Dubai alone. Uh, and so uh, the aftermath of just uh, signing the declaration has been a terrific and a great uh, momentum in terms of building their economies together and making cross uh, investments in trade. And all of the things that go along with it, in uh, you know, banking and uh, tourism, uh, visas, uh, just to name a couple. I, I know we only got very few minutes left, and I, I tell you, I got to bring you back on again. Radio is never enough. You know, when I tell people we're going to do a 25-minute interview, it sounds like, oh, that's going to be a long period. But I'm telling you, it's never enough. I need a five-hour show like I had at WLS. Any final thoughts on that agreement? Can it survive? Do you believe it's going to survive? Um, just uh, any, and it's only 245 words, I think you told me. Um, can it, what's the future for it? I, I think that uh, it's inspiration for all of mankind. If we take a look at uh, the actual words of the agreement, it says things like we seek tolerance and respect uh, for every person and want to maximize the human potential going forward. And, you know, I hope the Palestinian people actually hear this. Uh, I am working right now as a private citizen to try to find some economic um, opportunities and for some projects that will show how important the Abraham Accords are. Uh, I think that the, the Middle East has to buy into supporting science, art, medicine, and commerce uh, and uh, things of that nature. We need to end radicalization. Uh, and get back to the negotiating table. And I, I say this simply, uh, we have to sit down. Uh, we have to bring your best argument, uh, 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 negotiate with all the fervor you want, and ultimately make a settlement because uh, we can't go another 25 years uh, not having the Palestinian people have the hope uh, and the opportunity, and the education uh, that uh, that should be afforded to them. And, um, you know, that's my that'll be my final comments that 
Uh, that's what needs to be happen. We can't continue to shoot missiles and uh, and uh, and kill each other. It just it doesn't work, uh, and it brings no hope to the future for the people that are suffering the most. Former uh, U.S. Ambassador uh, to the UAE, John Recalta. John, we uh, Ambassador, I hope we can have you back on again in the future. It was a real pleasure to have you join us. I appreciate it so much. Great. Thank you for having me, and uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm Ray Hannania. We're going to take our final break here. And, uh, again, uh, thank everybody for calling in, for watching. Uh, we're going to be right back uh, for just a quick uh, out right after these messages. ArabNews.com, bringing you breaking news from across the Middle East and the latest on Arabs in America. Get inside the latest headlines with expert analysis and insights at ArabNews.com. Join over 5 million Facebook fans and over 10 million monthly readers. ArabNews.com, news that matters to you. Get ready for an amazing experience at Ishtar Restaurant on 15 Mile Road in Sterling Heights. Enjoy excellent hospitality from owners Ali al-Baghdadi and Fatty Bottom serving the best in Mediterranean food. Try Chef Ali al-Baghdadi's famous shawarma, the best Iraqi grills and food, and the best Arabic and international dishes. Dine in our authentic atmosphere or take out. Call 586-698-2585 or check us out on Facebook. Ishtar Restaurant practices all seafood. CDC guidelines and is open every day, 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Have an amazing experience today at Ishtar Restaurant, 3625 15 Mile Road, Sterling Heights. Life is a nonprofit charity that's provided humanitarian aid and development to people and communities for over 25 years, regardless of race, color, religion, or cultural background. When disaster occurs here or around the world, Life for Relief and Development rushes in to provide food, medical aid, and shelter to those in need. Please help improve these efforts. Make your tax-deductible donation to Life now at lifeusa.org or call 248-424-7493. Enjoy the first Syrian-style cuisine in Michigan. At Damas Cuisine and Catering, you'll find a wide selection of Syrian foods and sweets in our menu, like frike, hoisi, grape leaves with steak, mashawi platter, hot mahashi, char-grilled kebang, shawarma, and much more. Get super-fast delivery from Damas Cuisine and Catering right to your door. Order online at damascuisine.com forward slash menu and track your order live. Damas Cuisine and Catering, 28841 Orchard Lake Road in Farmington Hills. Call 248-987-4985. And we will uh, want to just say thank you. Thanks to Mike in the studio, Hernan in uh, Washington, D.C. I'm Ray Hanania. We're going to be back next Wednesday at 8 a.m., uh, right here at WNZK and WDMV and also Arab News on Facebook. I'm Ray Hanania. Have a great week. We'll talk to you again, everybody. Bye-bye.